Good morning, church. Uh, this morning, uh, we're gonna end our gathering a bit differently, our little digital gathering. Um, we're not gonna be doing communion, receiving communion digitally anymore. Uh, starting today, uh, most of you know this because of the newsletter and the town hall and all that stuff, but we'll be starting uh, communion either taking place in your community groups, um, obeying all of the, the like laws of our land right now, um, or in pop-up communions uh, stationed throughout the city where uh, a minister or an elder is there um, to lead you, to pray for you and lead you through communion. You can sign up online. Uh, details are on our website, you can go there. So this will let you know at the end there will not be uh, communion today, starting today going forward. Today we're in a, uh, a, a series that we're in the third part of. Uh, we're calling this series Revision transformation during the hardest year in modern history. Obviously a little tongue in cheek, but it feels really accurate. Uh, every year, uh, every week we go into this year, it feels a little bit like where I read someone sent me a meme that they look outside to see what, um, what part of Revelation that we're in. And I thought that was a really great meme. Um, it feels like that for a lot of us. Like how do we live through such a tumultuous year um, where all kinds of things might feel like they're deteriorating around us? Well. We're in this series so that we are invited into the transformation God uh, is doing, and he's always conspiring with everything going on in our world um, to bring about our transformation. And it, the, the question becomes, who are we becoming? Um, so that's, this is our little attempt to do that. Now, part of this is we're going through, I'm teaching through the triangle of transformation or our working theory of change or transformation. We started it out by talking about um, the Holy Spirit as the center of that triangle and how the Holy Spirit um, leads us in transformation and he uses, the Spirit often uses life, the hard stuff of life on the outside that we talked about. And then last week we talked about community and how do we do community in COVID and how maybe the opportunity before us um, is uh, to live in a really authentic, robust community uh, right now during COVID and we can learn something that is probably really valuable. We can uh, see possibility um, in, in our time. Today I wanna talk about uh, the, the third part of this triangle and that is practice or the practices of, of following Jesus, like getting uh, the habits, the disciplines, um, whatever word you wanna use, but like habituating ourselves toward the way of Jesus. And to do that, I wanna come out of John chapter 15, and my hope is by the end of this teaching to give us a unified practice as a church. So John 15, I'll read this text, and then I'll pray. Jesus speaking, he says to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it'll bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you could do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I, 
I thank you for your words. These are your words, Jesus. And this is your hope for us uh, as we live in you, God, that we would literally make our home in you, remain in you, abide in you. And I pray during this, this sermon, this teaching now that um, we would be evoked towards this way of life. We'd be moved toward it. We would want it. We would desire it for our own selves to stay connected to you, the life source of everything. Um, take my words and use them to edify your church. In Jesus' name, amen. What Jesus is doing in our text today is preparing his disciples for his departure, for their, for his, for their scattering. Preparing his disciples for his departure and their diaspora because they would be literally scattered and their message would be scattered all over the world. And two things Jesus does in preparing them is first he teaches them that the spirit is coming. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. Jesus said that he's gonna go to the Father and the Father will send the spirit and the spirit will be the very presence of Jesus and the one who brings us into the life of the Father and the Son, making us one with them. This is where you insert the mind-blowing emoji here. The Spirit brings us into the divine dance, into the Trinity. What Jesus also teaches them today is how, and this is the subject of our teaching this morning, is how to live the Christian life. How to live where the life-giving power of God flows into you and you remain in him. And what Jesus says is that the point of the Christian life is life in God through Jesus by the power of the Spirit. The whole point of the Christian life, the whole reason Jesus saves us and redeems us and washes us from our sins is that we can have life in God. This is like the kingdom of God coming into our life. This is eternal life now as Jesus has taught in other places. The, 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 the life of God moving in us because of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit. This is what Jesus was trying to teach them. Now this sounds amazing, and I think all of us would wanna sign up for that, but, but the, 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 the question is how? How do we live into this ultimate reality? And the answer to that question becomes a metaphor. Jesus teaches often by metaphor, because some things have to be caught and not just taught. And metaphors are things that we catch. And here's the metaphor that Jesus uses. He says, Jesus, he is the vine and we are the branches. It's the metaphor of a, of a vineyard. Jesus is the vine that, that has a root system that goes all the way down and we are the branches that kind of that shoot off of the vine and bear fruit. The metaphor is very simple, but he wants it. Jesus wants it to shape our imagination of what life in the kingdom of God looks like. See, the vine is that, that, that stump, that root system that gives life and nourishment to the branches and the branches, which is us, bear fruit. Here's a visual of that. It's on the screen right now. And this is what this means. On one hand, this means that, you know, this has mystical beauty to it, right? This is like beautiful, the fact that we're, we're, we're branches that stay attached to the vine and we bear all kinds of great fruit for the world and Jesus stays attached into the roots and gives us nourishment and life and all that stuff and the Father's a gardener that makes sure that things are cleaned and lifted up and all this stuff. On one hand, that's mystical in its beauty, but on the other hand, it's challenging and insulting to a certain extent. And what I mean by that is this. What Jesus is saying when he says, apart from me, you could do nothing, he's actually telling you and I that you and I don't have an inner source of true life and vitality. 
He says you can't find yourself by looking within. You can't go inward to find ultimate peace and ultimate vitality. The universe is not set up like that or said differently, that is not reality. This is what Jesus is teaching. This is why Jesus calls us sheep. Like we need a shepherd. We need a source of life, a source of vitality. And that light, that life, that love happen outside of us, not from within us necessarily. The origin of it isn't from within us. It's from outside of us. It's being connected to an outside source and that source is God. The true source, the true vine is Christ. And if we're not connected to that vine, we have no life. This is what Jesus is teaching. No true vitality, no awakeness toward the world and eternity. Now, the mystical beauty is that if we are connected to Jesus, then we have the spirit of God living in us and we're brought into the divine dance with God. We are brought into the life of God and fellowship with God and oneness with God. I mean, think about this. Jesus is saying that we are brought into the divine, that we're brought into the very life of God. What Jesus is also teaching here is that at the center of ultimate reality, capital R reality, at the center of all that is true is relationship. Did you see that? Like this, the, the source of life actually comes out of relationship, the Father, Son, and Spirit. In relationship, that's the center of, ulti- at, at, the, at the core of, of reality as, as, it, as, as it's real, as it's true, as it's taught by Jesus, is relationship. And Jesus is saying you're brought into that. As you stay connected to Jesus, you're brought into this, into the core of all that is true, which is the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit where life and the life of God flows into us and we bear fruit for the world. Now, this is an organic metaphor, if you didn't pick that up. It has to be because life is organic. It's messy and sometimes unpredictable and other times too predictable. And also life is more fragile and even more vulnerable than we often realize. So Jesus uses a metaphor that will still have impact 2,000 years later. Now, what I want to do in this metaphor is I want to explain a few things about this text before us, things I've pointed out to you in the past, actually. But after that, I want to build on this metaphor a little with you and introduce a way I want us to live into this metaphor together as a church for the rest of the year. So first, let me, let me I just want to point out just a couple things. Notice in verses one and two of this metaphor that no matter what, and this is pertinent to our life right now, no matter what, the Christian life consists of being cut. No matter if you're fruitful or not fruitful, we're all getting cut. Verse one, Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Jesus says you will either be cut off if you're unfruitful, not attached to the vine, have no life in you, you'll be cut off. Or you're gonna be cut back that is pruned. No matter what, This is what Jesus allows to happen to us. This is what the Father does. He cuts us back. And when this happens, when there's a pruning involved in our life, it's painful. No matter what, it's painful. God is an active gardener that is consistently clearing away parts of our life to make room for more fruit. And I'll be honest, I don't like this. I'll be completely honest, I hate this. I don't like it when God cuts back. When God cuts back where it feels like, where'd the favor go? where the momentum go? where the inertia go? 
Where did all that stuff that was just going on, 2020 was gonna be this, all oh, this amazing thing, where did that go? When God starts to cut back, we hate it. And this year feels like a year of pruning. And maybe the way God's judgment works even, this could be a year of God cutting off branches as well. Branches that look like they were abiding, but they actually are more cultural in their Christianity. That, that, that often cheap American form of Christianity that looks more like loyalty to nationalism, or on the other hand, that more potent version of Christianity that's sold today that's been floating around the millennials for years, the one so, a sociologist called moralistic therapeutic deism, which means I, I want God to make me feel good and affirm all that I believe, and if he doesn't, I don't know if I can believe in a God like that. There's a lot of cutting off right now. All over the place, there's cutting off. I think we're living in a national moment, maybe a global moment, and it's rare where we're all seeing, all of us are seeing God cut off or cut back. We're witnessing it, we're seeing it with our eyes, either to prune us in good ways or to cut back because he wants to purify his church. Now I wanna speak to the pruning because I, I don't know if I can speak to the cutting off because there is a certain extent where God does that and we just, we see it happening but we can't really judge it, we just, God does it. But the pruning I can speak to. The pruning process means this. When God prunes those who are abiding in him, he prunes so that we have greater fruit. And the pruning is painful. It just is painful. And pain, as a, as a mentor of mine pointed out to me afresh this past week, pain reveals our attachments. Or said probably more clearly, pain often reveals our unhealthy attachments. If we are experiencing pain in the cutting back in our lives, often that reveals to us unhealthy attachments, that things that we're attached to, that we're connected to, that God's like, I don't want you to be connected to that thing, I want you to be connected to me, and you're connected to this thing, this image of yourself, this false idea, this something you're connecting to, and I wanna cut it back. If God is pruning our lives right now and it's painful, I think it's important to sit with the pain and ask the Spirit of God if there are any ways we have an unhealthy attachment to the thing that was removed from us. Or what's the thing underneath the thing that was removed that we, were, that we were really attached to? I think it's important to name it and to remain in Jesus. Name it and move to abiding in Jesus. Now let me give you an example. I don't give you an example from a, a few years ago because the things that are causing me pain right now are too fresh to process in front of a camera of an empty room. So I'll just, I'll keep it a few years ago. A few years ago, this was like maybe three years into our church plant starting Reality San Francisco, I lived a very fast-paced, eating out, drinking coffee to wake up and to stay up and having a beer to unwind at the end of the day, like that sort of fast-paced, you know, you're kind of just doing, how do I stay afloat and doing all these things? And then uh, three years of doing that into the church, my stomach like literally gives out and I go to the ER twice. I think I've shared part of the story with the church before. And the doctor says this, he says, you have to cut out alcohol and caffeine and spicy foods and fatty foods and tobacco. I didn't smoke at the time. I was thinking about taking up the pipe tobacco, but I didn't, um, and carbonated drinks. That's what he's, the doctor said to me. He's basically, Stop living, that's what I heard anyway. And to me, at the time, you might as well have told me like I have stage four something. Like that's basically the, the, what I heard. 
And at that time, there was a lot of my life that was being removed and it would ca literally cause me pain when I ingested these things. It felt like it was being pruned and cut back and it was painful. But as I, pro and I did spend a lot of time processing through this, I realized that my attachment wasn't to food and drink because I still eat and drink now. I was attached to a way of handling stress. I was attached to a way of getting energy or calming down that wasn't abiding in Jesus, that wasn't remaining in the true vine, that was remaining in alternate vines, vines that, that, that God knows were, 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 were cisterns that were cracks in it, were like things that will, food that, that will make you hungry at the, after you eat it, like things that won't sustain you. I mean, this is what Jesus is always getting at. He's the true bread, he's the true water, he's the thing that really satisfies. I mean, he says this over and over and over in his teachings. He wants us to know all these other things that we are attached to won't give us what we really need and even want in the end. Only being attached to the vine and Jesus will have a way of pruning or the Father has a way of pruning and cutting back so that he knows, remain in my son, remain in Jesus. I know for a lot of us, the Father, who is a good gardener, is cutting back a whole lot in a lot of our lives right now, a lot. Sit with God and allow him to reveal attachments that are less than God right now. Do that, do that. I mean, you have the technology to pause it and even do that right now if you wanted to. It might be weird, but you could try it. Next thing I wanna bring up in this text is um, I wanna talk about what Jesus means by the fruitful life, because I think that's important. Verse four, Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Remain in me is basically the refrain of this entire section. Jesus says a whole bunch of times, remain in me, remain in me, my word in you, you remain in me, I remain in you, like remaining, abiding, making your home in. That's the refrain of this entire section. Jesus promises that when we do that, when we remain in God, when we remain in Jesus, God will be coursing through our veins. He will be the breath in our lungs and when that happens, fruitfulness will be the byproduct of our lives. However, according to the metaphor, you don't produce fruit the vine does. The vine actually produces the fruit and you bear the fruit. The, the vine is what actually makes the fruit, what makes you fruitful. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. What Jesus is saying is that you just, you just become the conduit that God uses to get his fruit into the world. However, you might, you might have the wrong idea of, of, what, of what fruitfulness means. Like, what, is it, what does it mean to be fruitful? I think this is a really important clarification as well. We're told in Galatians what fruitfulness means. It's this, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit that God wants to bear in our lives for the world. Fruit, and this makes sense when you take into account the Sermon on the Mount and the other teachings of Jesus, the fruit is a transformed life. Not just things you do or things you produce, they are ways of being, ways of living. Notice how these are not things like successful ministry or soul saved by what you do or success in your career or you have zero drama in any of your relationships. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, according to the teachings of Jesus and the New Testament, are characterized by joy, 
that's not based on circumstance, but based on obedience to God. A life characterized by peace. Not peace based on absence of chaos, but one of a, like a mystical union with God. And that peace flows from it, that passes understanding. That's, that's life of, with God and life in God kind of stuff. So if the fruit of the Spirit is the byproduct of abiding in Jesus, they look like things like this. If we're abiding in Jesus, we have love instead of retaliation, joy instead of addictions, peace instead of deep anxiety, kindness instead of meanness, goodness instead of fakeness, faithfulness instead of flightiness, gentleness instead of outrage, and self-control instead of outbursts of anger. So how's your abiding and remaining in Jesus going in 2020? A few years ago, I'll get back to this in a second, but a few years ago, I was taking one of those early soul cycle type classes, uh, the cycling classes, I was in Portland, and uh, there was like the super motivational person leading the class, and it was moody in the room and dark, and I think there was a candle burning, it was super weird, and anyway, so we're, we're coming to the moment of the class where we're like ascending a hill, and we're like climbing, and we'll more, add more, more tension and cadence, whatever, right? whatever they say, right? Add more, like stand up, like do this stuff, and, and she started screaming, and I was, there was only two people in the class, so it was really awkward, but she started screaming, like screaming at us, me mainly, I think, she was screaming, this is your moment. This is your, and music is like doom, 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 blaring and the candles wafing and all this stuff. It's like, this is your moment. And I remember taking this class thinking, this is my moment? Like wearing spandex on a bike that's going nowhere is my moment. This is my moment. This is, this is it here. And of course that wasn't my moment. And I remember thinking, this is, I almost wanted to stop right. I'm like, nope, this is not my moment. I'm going home now. Because this is not it. If this is it, then my life sucks, right? This is not my moment. But I remember always thinking, I remember this story. I might have shared it before. But I, I've always thought from that, that, that day, when would be my moment? Where I had to push through to get to the other side. That would define me as a person. And this, actually, COVID, 2020, might be my moment. This might be your moment. This might be our moment as a church. We are living in a new kind of diaspora, a digital diaspora, where we're all scattered. And the temptation will be, like with all diasporas, is to forget who we are. But Jesus has taught us, taught us how to live and be fruitful in times like these. And it is right here, the vine and the branches, to bear the fruit of the Spirit in the world that desperately needs Christian fruit, life-giving, abiding in Jesus fruit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control fruit. Our world needs this fruit. So what I wanna do is I wanna expound on this metaphor a little bit. If you've, of, the, of vine and branches. If you've ever gone to wine country, uh, Napa or Sonoma or whatever, right? Um, You'll notice that when, if you have ever gone wine tasting and, and out there sipping your wine, that every thriving vine and branch out there is connected to something called a trellis. A trellis is the structure that holds up the vine so that the branches get off the ground, grow upward or outward, and bear fruit. Here's a, a picture of a, of a trellis here, it's on the screen. Now, this is an important idea and it's relevant to us today um, because this word 
trellis, the Latin word is regla, um, followers of Jesus from over a millennia ago came up with what is known as a rule of life. Now, this is why this is important. Rule, that word regula, coming also from the word that means trellis. A rule of life is a schedule set of practices to order your life around abiding in Jesus every single day. So if we use this metaphor, vine branches, uh, the, 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 the monastics would add this layer of, of a trellis to this analogy and they'd say uh, 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 this rule, a trellis is what holds up our abiding in Jesus. It makes a way for us to abide and to remain in Jesus all day long, every single day. If this is the whole point of the Christian life to stay connected, how are we arranging our lives so that it's possible to remain in Jesus? So think of a rule of life as a trellis for abiding in Jesus or a trellis for being or becoming a fruitful person. Or as my, my friend John Mark Comer said in his book on the subject, which um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is an insanely good book, he says, what a trellis is to a vine, a rule of life is to abiding. Now before I click too heavenly into a rule of life, talk, and I'm gonna introduce like how we're gonna act and try to do one together as a church, let me make a couple, couple points here. First, we don't make ourselves fruitful. I think I made that point. Jesus bears fruit through our lives by his power. Jesus does it, not us. Jesus makes us fruitful, we don't make ourselves fruitful, okay? Caveat, make sure that's important. However, second point, we have one job to do, remain. We have one job to do, remain, abide, make our homes in Jesus. Point three, we all suck at that. We really, really are not good at remaining in Jesus. If we took a inventory, a budget of our time every day, how much of it is devoted, our lives, the thing, the thing that we're responsible for, remain in me, how much of our lives and our time is devoted to remaining in Jesus? Not a guilt trip, just honestly answer it. What a rule does, it helps with our part the remaining in Jesus part. Jesus makes us fruitful, our job is to remain. The, the rule of life helps us to remain in Jesus. Hopefully that makes sense. Now, if you're not bearing much fruit right now in your Christian life, ask yourself if you are indeed abiding in Jesus and how and what that looks like practically in your life. Again, no guilt here. Rule of life is not about guilt. It's not called the law of life, it's not a law. Rule is about relationship. It's about remaining in Jesus, okay? It's, this is a rule, not rules, singular, rule. A, a way that our life is ordered. Okay, now that I said that, let me talk about what a rule actually is. So I, I stated this before, but I'll say it again. A rule of life is a way your everyday life is arranged to keep you connected to God or abiding in Jesus. So what a rule does, it allows your life to go, what do you, do you prioritize abiding in Jesus? Yes, I prioritize it. How do you do it? I live by, and you order your life in a way that you abide in Jesus. This has to do, touches every single part of your life, a, a true rule of life. Touches your relationships, touches your work, touches your rest, it touches your, your alone time and your prayer time, like it touches all of it. Stephen Covey, uh, author of the seven, seven Habits stuff, he said, Quote, we achieve inner peace 
when our schedule is aligned with our values. Now, Jesus didn't say that, and the Bible does not say that, but it lines up almost perfectly. If our value as followers of Jesus is to make our home in God so that we are people of peace and joy, of love, of kindness, of faithfulness to our community and to our world, if those are our real values as Christians, and they need to be, most of us live disintegrated lives because our schedule doesn't match those values. And therefore, we hardly ever get to a place where we're not, we, all, we not only have inner peace, but we have the fruit of God in our lives that remains. We need, I think right now, more than ever, when there is no there's no boundary from our time. Anyone can contact us through our phone or through a laptop anywhere we go and everything kind of bleeds together and time is like, what day is it again? I don't even know what day it is today. Like, I honestly don't know what day it is. I don't know what day I'm filming this. I think it might be Monday or Thursday. I have no idea. It all blends together. We need a rule. We need a way, a trellis that supports the abiding. So what I'm proposing, and here it is. I'm building up to this point. Not a point, an action something that I wanna to do together for the sake of unity in our church because we don't really, we need, we need some unity right now. What I'm proposing is that we begin a church rule of life together. It's going to be super, super simple. So simple, everyone can do a version of it. Everyone can do a version of it. It's been my dream for the past five years to, um, to do this together with you all. Actually, five years ago, I met with someone to talk about how do we do a whole church rule of life. And so kind of in, in, in some ways, the last five years has been leading to a version of this. Now, I, I wanna say before I, I, I talk about what our simple rule is gonna be together as a church, I want to mention, I want you to, when you hear this, I want you to start where you're at, not where you want to be or where you think you should be because um, because where, being honest where you're at right now will help you enter into some practices that like this is where I'm at, this is the level. So every single thing that we're doing uh, will have like different entry points into it and I'll share that in a second. So here's what we're doing. Um, and these are pretty simple, I think we all can do them. They are three things, simple. Daily bread, weekly fast, weekly Sabbath. This is what I want, the rule I want to start uh, in COVID for our, our church. Um, that we're daily, we're, we're gonna start a, uh, on tomorrow, Monday, we're starting a, um, we're starting a, uh, uh, a reading through the, the scriptures together in a thing called bread. Um, our friends in London, our uh, friend church in London, KXC is doing this, uh, a church um, and uh, Brooklyn, a friend of our church, they're doing this as well. Uh, and Bible Pro it actually follows the Bible Project, Project reading program. Because let me explain what it is. Uh, we have these journals available online. You can actually get a physical copy as well. We'll have those in about, about a week. Um, every day, you sit with God for, you know, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, depending on how much time you have. And it's very simple. Bread's a, an acronym, okay? Be still, read, uh, encounter what's going on in the text, what, what's moving you, examination almost, of like what's the spirit doing in this text, observing what's going on in the text, applying what you read in the text um, to that day, that, that moment, uh, something the spirit wants to, to, to lead you into, and then devote your day to God. 
And they're short readings. We're going to start in the epistles because the epistles are basically written to the church, kind of scattered everywhere. Like the pastor or Paul is not physically there, though he was a part of that church, and so he writes a letter. So I think epistles are a really great place to start. So we're going to start in the epistles. I'm going to read through the rest of the year together, uh, the rest of the scriptures together for the rest of the year, all the way to Revelation. That should be fun. Um, and we're going to do this, this bread, uh, daily bread, every single day. We're going to call you to this. Um, no, they're gonna be th- we're gonna ask every single person to do that. No, there's gonna be a reach practice, meaning there's a level up one as well. And the level up one is this. Do this before you turn on your phone in the morning. Don't sleep with your phone, put it in a different room, go to bed, wake up, grab the scriptures, do this with your cup of coffee, your tea or milk, whatever you drink in the morning, if you do have a drink, cereal, whatever you do, and spend time with God before you touch your phone or your computer. That's like a reach practice. That's like a, if you wanna level up. Now, for those, especially parents right now, where life is insane, and you're like, could you find me 10 minutes anywhere? I would be really appreciative. And we, uh, we understand. We're gonna be putting an audio version of this for you um, on our website. And you could, um, while your uh, life is probably full of a lot of multitasking right now, uh, we're gonna uh, do an audio version where we can lead, this, lead you into this uh, this whole thing, so you follow along with the entire church um, as you're trying to parent and teach and uh, some of you working and taking care of the home, the things you're doing right now, and we wanna make some space for that. So we want every single person to be able to enter into this. Because you have to be honest where you're at, some of you guys are not there, like some, especially parents, are not there. I don't have 30 minutes alone time. I don't have it. That's okay. Grace to you pop in the audio version as you're doing whatever, uh, cleaning something, I would imagine, or you know, running somewhere. Um, and then there's a practice that we want you to like, actually no, I'm, I'm actually already reading the scriptures every day, but that turn off my phone challenge sounds fun. Uh, the next thing is weekly fast. Every Wednesday we're gonna fast. And the simple version is fasting lunch and praying through lunch, like, like doing like a meal replacement, which means like replace the meal with prayer, replace the meal with reading or something. And we're dreaming up a way that we can connect somehow on Wednesdays at, lo- at noon to pray together or something like that. So, but weekly fast through lunch. Now, a, a, a reach practice would be fast 24 hours, fast Tuesday night through Wednesday dinner. So what we, I typically do is like do dinner on Tuesday and then I do dinner on Wednesday and like fast 24 hours until that next dinner. Um, so uh, this, is, this is like, we'll have a podcast on why exactly we're doing fasting. I think it's really important. And then weekly Sabbath, a Sabbath meal, Sabbath delight, Sabbath rest. Again, we'll have a podcast on this as well. Leading our church. Some of you are already doing this. We want there to be a, like maybe a, an entry level version where you do a Sabbath meal on, on Friday night or in the evening and then the next day go for a walk with a community member or your family or something and just delight and have gratitude. Um, for s- other people, I love for you to no screen for 24 hours, like no phone, uh, no Instagram. You're not like Instagramming your day, like Sabbath rules, Instagram, everything. Like, no, put that away. Like, no one needs to know about your Sabbath sunset, whatever happened during that time. Um, so we're gonna do this together. I, I'm, I, I, I believe that uh, we need unity now more than ever as a church. And one of the ways that we're trying to unify our churches around the scriptures, around fasting and prayer, and around a Sabbath observance, a resting in God. I hope our entire church does a version of every single one of them 
so that we can live in uh, the same rhythms together. This is a rule. This is a very simple rule. Um, I've been living in a rule for the last year and a half with a group of pastors and it's a really long list. And um, this rule has in so many ways kept me connected to God and in times in my life when I haven't felt connected, it's because um, I'm, not, I'm not living on the trellis. I'm like on the ground, just like, and God's trying to clean me up. Anyway, I wanna end here. Here's what Jesus is, this is one of the fascinating things Jesus is doing in this text. See, before Jesus taught this teaching and before he taught teaching about his body being the temple and that temple being destroyed and him resurrecting in three days, um, the locust of God, uh, the center of God's activity was on the nation of Israel in the temple and it had to do with land. And Jesus relocates the locusts of God to the, to the every individual person that's connected to God. So no matter where you go, this is like preparing the church to be scattered. No matter where you go, the place of rootedness for the people of God are now in God. So if you feel right, right now, we don't go to Everett, we don't go, we don't gather. We, that, that was the center place of my location with God. That was like the hot spot. And I would agree, it really felt like that. And now we're scattered. I wanna remind us of this teaching. Jesus said he relocated. Literally when God was literally in a temple, he said, no, no, no. You abide in me. The locus of God is your life in my life. And that's the center of our activity with God. It's remarkable and it's beautiful. Let's pray. Lord, would you give us grace as we move into this, that it would not be legalism that leads us, it would not be like, um, uh, like checking boxes either, all that stuff that, that like rears up in our flesh, let this be like life-giving flow of the Spirit, we repent of ways that we have not prioritized our abiding in you, we just haven't even thought about it. I thank you that when it seems at times that we have not prioritized that. You never give up on us, God. You never do. You go after us. You move toward us. But Lord, you also desire for us to grow in maturity. And so as a part of that, would you grow us in this area? Would you make our church come back in a way that's more robust and more connected to you even though we're not necessarily all in the same room together? Thank you, God, that you live in us and we live in you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you make it possible. Thank you, Jesus, that you died to cleanse us from our sins, that we can be in the presence of God. Thank you, Father, that you're a good gardener. Keep pruning to make us better, Lord. And let judgment, let judgment flow because sometimes we need your judgment. Your judgment's righteous. We we just welcome it all and we say you're good. In Jesus' name, amen.